Proverbs chapter 6, and we'll be in verse number 19 this morning. This will be, as far as I can tell, will be the last Sunday that we'll be in this passage we've been looking at here. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 19. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Talking about the list of things that God said he hates. And... That he won't have no part of. We've talked about how God hates a lying tongue. That was one of the first things on the list. Proud look, a lying tongue, second on the list. But then there's this here that's even more of an egregious, destructive relative of a lying tongue. There's somebody who just, the old timers said they's windy. Just becomes the habit of their life. They just lie. Habitual liars. Uh, the older they get, the worse it gets. The older they get, the the taller the tails. Mm. There's all kinds of you know softer labels that we put on it, but there you know there's an old saying that says there's no fool like an old fool. There's nothing more offensive than an old man who's a liar. Yes. You ever known any of them? Oh I have. I've had some kinfolk that was. And it was sad, really. Because at this point in their life, you knew what lie they were about to tell because they told the same ones for years and years and years. They'd add to them and embellish them a little bit more, but they always they double down so many times that they couldn't abandon them because then they'd be made out to be a liar for all their life. So they just took them to the grave. Sad. But this here is different. A false witness that speaketh lies. It's almost like <laughs> if there could be a blacker version of a liar. There could be a more evil connotation to, to re- reference someone who lies. There's so much more just plain old evil hung on to the label of liar if you're a false witness who speaks lies. It's the cause of a lot more grief and suffering right down where we all live. And destruction to the church to families, and ultimately to the cause of Christ in general. A false witness speaking lies. It ain't just a matter of what a false witness does in a church. Matter of fact, in this specific reference, it doesn't say among the brethren, which would imply that it's the specific body of Christ. It says brethren. Who did Jesus tell Mary or well, when he was on the cross, who did he tell them was his brother? Who was his mother? He said, "Look around you. They're all my brethren. They that do the will of my father. It's everybody. I have brethren. There's five other ones besides me that are my brethren, my siblings. Everybody in here probably has. I know that they have at least one sibling of some sort. Your brother." Your sister, brethren. 
And a false witness speaking lies sows discord among brethren. It's not necessarily two isolated things like we talked about a few weeks ago about each one of these things being a different person. Some people possess them all. But they all support each other. All of these things that God says, I won't have nothing to do with anybody that is those things. They all support each other in their existence in somebody's life. That's why if you're only can only isolate or identify one of these bad traits in your life, you better look real hard and do something quickly because it won't be no time and you'll have them all. You'll have them all. One, claiming to be a witness of someone or something else, but doing it purposefully in a deceitful, misleading, misrepresenting way, designing it to benefit themselves in the most lucrative way, disregarding the cost others will certainly suffer to accomplish their intent as someone who is a a a false witness you can't be a false witness unless you're a liar and if you're a liar you'll be a false witness before it's over with and that's the thing i want to look at this morning we're going to look at some of this stuff the uh uh This false witness who, despite conscience or remorse, will voluntarily perpetrate lies to promote the misleading of honest people of the truth. A false witness never really necessarily tries to convince people that already believe lies about another one. They're trying to get the people who believe the truth derailed. That's the, I mean, that is their target number one. The results are devastating, both in homes and families, as well as churches, schools, the workplace, your community, and the list goes on. I mean, how many in here know dirty laundry about people in the community because of the things that get said? How much of it really is true? Do you ever seek it out and just see how true it is and find out that, oh my, it's just so far off base that... 95% of it usually ain't even true at all. It all began with a lie. Mm -hmm. With a witness that witnessed falsely. Oh, I seen it. No, I heard it. You think you you heard it from someone else. And then you passed it along. The list goes on. Many times the damage is permanent. The undoing of this work of the lying false witness can be a futile effort. You can try for years to undo, I mean, case in point, here's a good example. Take somebody who's been um, falsely accused, even just falsely accused, not even convicted, but falsely accused of some sexual crime. Then it doesn't matter if they acquit them, if they prove them completely innocent. That stain, they'll carry it with them for the rest of their life. For the rest of their life. Yep. You know? I know of a guy right now, and just within the county here, was accused of uh, assaulting a woman in that way. And the word got out, and everybody, I mean, he's a, that's what he is. But turns out that it was all a lie. It wasn't true. They found the guy who actually did it, and he's in prison. But the guy that got falsely accused of it carries that stigma that stain on his reputation to this day 
somehow, even though everybody that would say these words know that he was proven innocent, they always want to try to throw that into the story that, yeah, he was accused of rape one time, but now they proved him innocent. Why would they do that? Why would you include that in the description of this fellow? Well, because people that, that uh, I think it mentioned somebody back here, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief. We've talked about all these things. Those are the kind of people that will be a false witness, mm -hmm. speaking lies, whether they need to be told or not. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. It's like the lowest form of somebody being able to do something harmful to someone else. I mean, you could take a club to them and hurt them, but this is worse. You don't ever heal from these wounds, hardly. Only a true turning away from this platform of willful dishonesty and destructive behavior in repentance towards God and in true honesty about oneself and in repentance toward those affected by your false witness and lies can this tide be turned and the devil ousted from our lives in this matter. That's the only way. Most people are not willing to do that. Now, we all consider ourselves not to be in this list, obviously. We've talked about that. But, I don't know. I, I, the Bible says examine yourself. Examine yourself. Don't, don't put yourself in the place where someone else can examine you because there will always be some level of, I don't want to say dishonesty, but there will be apprehension to be straight up honest with you. Even someone who loves you. It's hard for someone who really loves you to tell you what you need to hear sometimes. It's hard. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe me, go ask someone that you really trust to tell you their honest opinion about you. <laughs> or about you or something that you know you're doing that gets on everybody's nerves or just anything like it. Ask them, do you think I'm annoying? Do you think I talk too much? Mm -hmm. Do you think I'm overly opinionated? Be honest. <laughs> no, nobody does that because nobody wants to hear the truth that they already know. And nobody wants to be asked those questions because you don't want to be the guy that has to tell them. So the Bible says examine yourself. Because at the end of the day, you know it's hard to lie to yourself. It's hard to convince yourself of the lie that you're telling yourself about you. It's just almost impossible. So, let's look at some things that make a false witness so devastating. Number one, they'll always have an audience. Let me say this before we go any further. There's been things we've talked about that are warning signs, red flags, things to tell, teach our children about how, who to avoid and who not to congregate with. Proverbs is full of that. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. My son, my son, my son, don't do this. Don't do this. Watch for her. Watch for him. Don't borrow money from this guy. Don't put yourself out. Don't. All the warnings. But this right here, this particular thing, <laughs> have you ever been in a place in your life where you felt completely safe from false witnesses? No, because you're not. You can live above reproach. You can only congregate 
and associate and align yourself with people that are like-minded that check all the boxes. But you're not going to be able to avoid somebody being a false witness against you at some point in your life. There's going to be somebody. And, and it's, I don't know, I've had it happen to me. I've seen it happen to my children. I've seen it happen to my wife, my dad and mom. Everybody that I about know. I've seen somebody bear false witness against them speaking lies that had nothing to do with anything they did. They didn't provoke it. They didn't solicit it. They didn't ask for it. They didn't do anything except be victimized by it. And so as Christians, we're going to have to know how not to avoid it because you're not going to avoid it. They did it to Jesus. You're going to have to know how to handle it. You're going to have to know what to do to proceed on and what the Lord expects you to do. What did Jesus do when they they bore false witness against him? He spoke not a word. That's a hard, hard, hard thing to do. Especially when you've got all of the goods on them and you could just uncover them and just be in the clear. While the, the hounds just ripped them apart. But Jesus didn't do that. And you can say, well, because he knew that if he did that, then his father's will wouldn't have been accomplished. And, you know, they were right there at the cross. And this was when it was supposed to happen. And this, is, this was God's will. So you're going to take and try to justify not doing like Jesus did in your life. No, I believe that it's there for an example for us. It's, it's one of those things that ties right into charity that you've preached about so much and that we've talked about so much this year. What's the first thing charity does? Suffers. Yes. Long. Mm-hmm. And it's kind. Nothing about the suffering changes the kindness of charity. You know, Jesus knew what they were about to do to him. I mean, did they have to do all those things to him for him to die? No. Did the high priest have to spit in his face for him to die? No. Did they have to tear his beard out for him to die? No. But he suffered because he had charity towards them. And that's the lesson to learn in this matter of of how to handle a false witness. So here's the deal. A false witness will always have an audience. But just because you have an audience willing to listen to you doesn't validate your witness and your message. The chief priests and elders found plenty of willing participants to witness falsely against Jesus. Well, it says they could find no one to do it. But in the end, two did it. Because the law said you had to have two. You ever thought about that? Got to do it legal. Got to do it by the law. The law says two witnesses. So that's what they hired. 
And even though they said what they said and accused him of what they accused him of, it didn't change the fact that it wasn't true. It didn't validate their lie. But everybody believed them. False witness will always have an audience. You'll not ever eliminate that. Their message will contain an element of truth, but they will misrepresent who the message came from. In Matthew uh, 26, 59, let me see if I've got it. Yep. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. Well, how did many false witnesses come, but they couldn't find none? Well, because none of it was true. It was so blatantly false that they couldn't use it and make everybody believe the lie. Because even the ones who wanted to kill him knew it wasn't true. It wouldn't hold water. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. Did Jesus say those words? He said, I can tear this temple down and I'll build it again in three days. But they were a false witness Mm -hmm. they misrepresented they twisted what he said just enough in the certain light what do they call that nowadays would that qualify as gaslighting a little bit Mm -hmm. yeah but just another label to put on what the bible already has something to call it there'll be an element of truth in a lot of the false witnessing that you'll hear Remember, it says speaking lies. So it's still, remember what we said in the beginning of all this. A half-truth is a whole lie. And so, there'll be some truth mixed in with the lie. But they'll do it in such a way where it isn't about whether what you said was true or not. It's about about discrediting you and your character and your integrity and and who you are. Your believableness. Your... uh, trustworthiness a false witness that speaketh lies there's two ways in which this person can occupy this station a false witness his lifestyle doesn't back up what he projects on everyone that he is you know what are we asked to be what did Jesus what was the last thing he said to his disciples before he ascended you remember It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in His own power. This is in Acts chapter 1. But He said, Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto Me. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He's called them to be witnesses. He's called us to be His witnesses. But then there's this element of a witness that is false. A false witness. Well, is the witness that is false going to be trying to represent Satan? No, no. No. No, he'll he'll be just like the high priests and the elders and all of them. Representing God. 
but they're doing it falsely. It's a lie. It is, it is like what they call in politics, it's like a poison pill. It's wrapped up in what looks like the real McCoy. But after you've swallowed it down, it kills you from the inside out because it's not right. It's wrong. It's evil. It's false. It's not true. There's untruth. There's lies mixed in with the truth. So there is a false witness. A witness that claims to be representing God. But they don't. They want everybody to believe that that's what they are. That they are representing God. There'll be aspects of their life that look like they do. But you get to know them a little longer. You get involved with them a little deeper. And the next thing you know, you're, you're all tangled up in the middle of something that is ungodly. That, that God hates. False witness. A misrepresentation of God. It's one of the things that I believe modern church, it's the most egregious thing that they do. They misrepresent God to the lost. It's like a... Uh, you ever watch somebody go to make bread and they take that yeast and they put it in warm water and they put it in a bowl. And then you sit there and you watch it come alive. You put a little flour in there and you watch it start swelling and all of a sudden it's just working alive. That's what most churches are like. That's what the, most churches are like. The, the false witness that they are, they are what support each other to stay that way. And then everything that they project out around them onto other people is just poison. But all the while claiming to be a witness for God. They're false. And then the other aspect of a false witness is speaking lies. A false witness speaking li- that speaketh lies. Why would a false witness need to speak lies? Well, because after a while, people are going to see through your fakeness. People, see, here's the thing. The Lord has promised that he ain't never going to come up short. His word will prevail. The truth will prevail. God will prevail. Right will prevail. And so you can misrepresent him if you want to. But time being truth's best friend, like you always say, it'll come out. People will start to see through what you are. And they'll start to call you on it. Some people will still do that. You ever see anybody call somebody on a lie? (laughs) it's not very common anymore that's for sure because people don't want to get involved people have so much of their own stuff they're covering up that they don't want to engage in that way because people for the most part are cutthroat Mm -hmm. your best friend will throw you under the bus in a heartbeat if he thinks you're going to expose him if he's saying something about you Mm -hmm. Nobody lives above reproach enough anymore to have the boldness and the the confidence and the ground to stand on to say, what you're doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) that's why preachers don't do it anymore. That's why people sitting in the pews don't do it anymore. That's why you've seen the law 
fall and and degrade to the point now to where they can't be lawmen anymore. They can't enforce the law because the way that the lawyers and all of the judicial system is set up, the next thing you know, the lawyer is on trial. The prosecutor is on trial in the courtroom for for things that the criminal knows about him or what the police force did or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's justice is all gone upside down. But a false witness will always back up his lie with more lies. Speaking. Well, that's, that's an actual audible thing. It's not something that you necessarily type on social media or something that you will imply through something, some circumstance. No, you'll actually speak them. It'll get to the point where the words that come out of your mouth are lies. Lies. A false witness speaking lies. False witness that speaks lies gains the confidence of his peers through his charisma and his good deeds, but will betray it all, all of it. Good deeds and friends, it don't matter to preserve himself and, and what he's trying to hide about who he is. And here's another thing. He can be bought. His false witness can be purchased. He has no moral constraints. There ain't nothing that he won't do. Keep in mind what we're talking about here is not being this guy. Not being this kind of person, but also being aware that this is going to happen to you. And how you're going to handle it. Somebody who's willing to be a false witness and speak lies against you. Against your church. Against your family. Against your children. Against your God. They're willing to be purchased with the promise of status, title, business advantages. I know of people who've switched denominations of church because there's more business owners in that religion over there. And since they're a business owner, they want to network with those people. So they literally converted to a different religion so that they could network and benefit their business. There's lots of people that do that. And it's not just Catholics or other denominations. No, it's right in Baptist churches. I know people in Poplar Bluff that go to certain churches because there's other business owners there and they can pick up work as subs from these other contractors. I know them. You think they'd be a false witness if they had to? Uh-huh. Yeah. Think they'd lie about something if they could get the job? You better believe it. They'd bend the rules a little bit. Do it for filthy lucre. A lot of preachers will do this for the money. For the money. For positions of power. Positions of management. Being able to control things. Uh, I seen a thing the other day and it was a video of what was going on behind the scenes at a church while their praise and worship thing was going on. And it's literally like a production in a movie. 
or something. They've got switchboards and they've got cameras positioned everywhere and they've got a director that's directing which cameras to cut to and then cut to this and then three, two, one, cut to camera 12 and cut to... And it's all on the big screen in the back of it while the production... It's like a concert. It's just a Sunday service at some church somewhere. You know, some big old church and and there's people running around like chickens with their heads cut off in that room and it's all a big production. And... They're willing to do it. I know people that play the drums at a church and they'll go to a different church because that church will pay them $50 more a week to play the drums for the service. I'm serious. I'm serious. Well, that's one of the things a false witness is. They're purchasable. They have a price tag. And it's just like we talked about last week. That heart that deviseth wicked imaginations will hire them because their feet are the ones that are swift to run to mischief. Mm -hmm. They'll hire them. They'll hire them to spread lies about your church handling snakes and things. If you've heard it all, I mean, we've all heard silly things, but (laughs) you know, yeah, we've been asked if we handle serpents at our church. Mm -hmm. Oh. Only with a shotgun. (laughs) But that's a Anyway, all these things about a false witness that speaks lies ties right into the next and last thing. He that soweth discord among brethren. Not just the brethren, like us sitting in this church building, but brethren. Is there a family, even here, represented that ain't had problems in their home, in their family, amongst the siblings because of lies? Our family's not immune to this. You know, it's a shame to say it. But I don't know of any family that that doesn't deal with this in some way. There's division in our family because of lies. False witnesses speaking lies. It's discord. If there's discord present even a little bit, then there is no harmony. Take somebody singing three-part harmony and one of you is just a little flat or sharp. (laughs) Does it sound harmonious? Mm -hmm. No, it sounds like someone dragging a piano down the street. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, a myriad of other comparisons. It's, it's, It's repulsive. You can't bear it. If you know what harmony is, If you've ever experienced harmony, if you've ever been a part of harmony or benefited from it in any way, then discord, it's discord. It's the wrong chord. It's not the right chord. You can't, there's just no other way. It's it's why music is math. Because if one, one digit is wrong, then it's all wrong. It don't work. It don't work. Discord amongst anyone would not exist if it wasn't for a false witness that's a liar. Do you ever think about that? If there, if why do you think the Bible says things like rebuke the scorner, cast out the scorner, and the strife will cease? Mm-hmm. Well, because scorning is just another thing that a false witness does—a liar, one that sows discord among brethren. He's a scorner. You cast him out. The discord's gone. Strife ceaseth. 
Discord always results in division. Always. You can't, how can two walk together, the Bible says, if, if, if they be not agreed? Well, you can't. You can, you can know each other. You can talk about the weather. You can, your, your relationship will be pretty shallow, but you can only take them in small doses and you can only bear them for a short amount of time. Then you got to go or they got to go. The holidays is real good about reminding us all of who those people are. If they even come at all. Discord, division. Isn't it sad? Isn't it sad that people just, I mean, not to coin the, not to, you know, uh, not coin the phrase, but to use a, an a obvious statement, but why can't everybody just get along? Well, because most people fall in this category. Those that sow discord among the brethren, among brethren. Satan's the author of this, and anyone who promotes it aligns themselves with him and not God. That's why God said, look, these things are an abomination to me. I hate them, but it's more than that. They're an abomination to me. I won't have a part of anyone that has any of these things in their life. Anybody that's participating in any of this stuff, you might as well just count on it that God's not going to help you. He's not going to be a part of anything you're doing. And I don't know. It's it. These are things that I feel like we all know. We've all been victims of them. We've all maybe even been perpetrators of them at one point in our life or another. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want... I don't want to be something that God wants nothing to do with. The things that I allow into my life. Well, I told one of my kids one time, I said, listen, and I've heard you say it too years ago to me. But here's what you said, and I've said it to them. If you don't have a relationship with me, it's not because I went anywhere or that I changed. You changed. You left. You choose to stay away. I'll always be right here. And if you come back, you're, I'll welcome you with open arms. But I will not move from this place. Because it's right. I'm standing on the truth. And... That's the thing about you know our relationship with God. If anything changes in our relationship with God, it's not Him. It's us. So if I feel coldness creeping into my heart and into my life, into my relationship with God, if I have a hard time praying, and I start examining myself and wondering what is, why is the, why do I feel distant? Has God removed Himself from me for some reason? No. He said, "I will never leave you or forsake you." So, if this is something that I feel in my heart and in my life, I need to examine myself. That's why it's good to take, like the old timers used to say, and keep short accounts with God. Examine yourself. Catch it before it comes. It's, it's called uh, um, preventive maintenance, if you will. You know, Don't wait until the rods are knocking before you start checking the oil. Uh, examine yourself. 
in these matters. Is any of these things starting to become part of who you are? What you do? What you sympathize with? What you tolerate? What you entertain? What you protect? Whether it's in you or in your, your children or in your family or people you love, are you hiding these things for them? Are you doing things to, to, to uh, or en- enable other people to be these things? God's going to take a big step back. I don't, I don't like being there. I've been there. I've been there more than I'd care to know. But every time, it's because I have started looking over here. It's like Peter with the waves. Took my eyes off of him. So here come the troubles. So just don't forget about these things. Things that God hates. Things that are an abomination to him. They shouldn't ever even remotely be a part of a Christian's life. Amen.